Shalom. This is Betty in the footsteps of Jesus, and today I am at the Garden Tomb in Jerusalem. This is by far one of my most favorite, wonderful spots to visit when I go to Jerusalem. And when we were there um, this past March with a group, um, COVID had just started to hit, and all the crowds were not coming. So usually in this place, there are so many tourists, they are hard-pressed to deal with them all coming in and out but we literally had the place to ourselves and we got to linger here and just soak it in and it was just a precious time so what you see behind me is the tomb it's called the garden tomb and you can see that it's made of solid rock and you can see that um, there was behind right there there's a um, I can't do this very well let me step over this way right where my hand is right where my hand is there was a trough a rolling stone and that stone would be rolled over the tomb over the door and then sealed and um, to get it unrolled it was a heavy 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 stone it would take the strength of many strong men to roll that stone over over the door to the tomb um, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that talk about this place Matthew 27 59 and 60 um, And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his... Let me me go back to 58. The man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given over to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. So this, you know, is Joseph of Arimathea. It says it was a brand new tomb. We don't really know much about this Joseph, except that he had to be a very wealthy man because he had this prime spot. It was a new tomb. We'll see later. It was large inside. There was room for many mourners to go inside. There was room for two bodies. It had never been used. Um, One of the things that makes this place so authentic is that there's a large water cistern there. There's a large reservoir for water. There's a wine press, which indicates it was a garden. When we think of a garden, we think of flowers and shrubs. No, we're talking about a vineyard here. The man grew grapes, and that's why they found a wine press right there and plenty of water to water the vineyard. And Joseph asked that he might bury the body of Jesus in his own tomb. There's kind of a joke that goes around. It's a little bit, um, maybe (laughs) you'll appreciate it or you won't, but there's a joke that Joseph went home that night and he said to his wife, I took the body of Jesus and I I put him in my tomb. And she said, what? You took this man that we don't even know and you put him in our new tomb? And he said, don't worry, dear, it's only for the weekend. (laughs) Let's read another scripture about this place (coughs) in... um, John 19:41. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So um, inside, as I said, as you enter into the door to your, to my, let's see, I can't do this, 
As you go in, to the right is where the two tombs are. To the left is where there was quite a space for people to gather and mourn. So um, then let's go to Luke 24, 1 through 3. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And then, of course, you know, they met an angel, and he said, the Son of Man, he re- said, remember, the Son of Man must, must, um, must rise again. And then in verse 10, now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, also the other women with them, were telling these things to the apostles. So this is a place that it just feels so authentic when you go here. You know, there are places, especially in Jerusalem, where you say, yeah, this is neat to be here, but the streets of Jerusalem today are 20 to 30 feet higher than the streets that Jesus walked on. But when you go to this place, there's a feeling of authenticity. You can walk right into that tomb because the stone has been rolled away. And the other good news is, as you go in, you're not going to find Jesus. Why? Because he is risen. (laughs) He is risen. He is no longer here. The women came to anoint his body with more spices when after everything he'd been through, the beatings and and the thrashing and the blood just pouring out of him and hanging on the cross, and they wanted to tenderly put spices on their dear Lord. And he was gone because he was risen. So we don't go to the tomb these days to find Jesus. He's risen. But we go to get a sense of he really did die as a man, as the son of man, and he really was laid in a tomb, and he really did rise from the dead. And I just I love this place because I sense the Holy Spirit here affirming those things to me whenever I'm there. Um, and it's called the garden tomb because, as I said, there's a large garden. Today they have it beautifully planted with all kinds of flowers and shrubs, but in that day it would have been a vineyard. And um, the reason it's um, it's being preserved today is all because of a man named General Gordon in 1883. He was a British soldier and he was he was stationed in the land of Palestine and he discovered it. He was in a hotel just down the street, and he kept looking at what we're going to talk about next, this hill that looked like a skull, and he couldn't get past it. He couldn't get over it. So as he came and began to explore, then he found this tomb in this area, and it was a British association bought it, and they have kept it since about 1900. And as you go in today, these beautiful, lovely British people are still the people who own and maintain this very holy, awesome place. They're just wonderful people. They don't charge you to go and see it. They do it all by faith, by offerings. Um, So it just is such a treasure that was found by by General Gordon. So now let's switch over. We're going to just turn our eyes from this garden tomb, and you go up a few steps, you can see the hill, the place of the skull. So we're going to walk over there. Yep, there it is, the skull. And, you know, some traditions think that the place of Jesus' crucifixion and burial is inside the old city walls at a place called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. 
and there's many questions raised. Some people are on the side of the Holy Sepulcher. Some people are on the side of Gordon's Calvary or General Gordon's Garden Tomb. I definitely am on this side. (laughs) I truly believe after much study and research and just being there and getting a witness from the Holy Spirit that this is the place where Jesus died, the place of the skull. In Aramaic, Aramaic, Golgotha is the word for the place of the skull. And when you go here, it corresponds exactly to the biblical description. It is part of the mountain range called Moriah. And we see that prefigured with Abraham, don't we? That he sacrificed, but then God stopped him. His son, Isaac, he was ready to sacrifice Isaac. And the word that was given is the sacrifice will be provided in this place. So this is part of the the mountain range or the hill range called Moriah. So that fits the biblical description. Another reason this fits the biblical description is because this is right outside the Damascus Gate. And that's where Jesus would have gone out of the city into the quarry area where much of that Jerusalem stone was hewn out to this place of of stone where we find this hill called the place of the skull or Golgotha. It it fits historical records. It fits biblical records. Now, if you'd see at the bottom, there is asphalt, right? You, You can't see very much, but if you see that skull, you can see the two eyes. The nose has been eroded away over the years with with rain and just erosion, but the nose used to be much more prominent. Um, If you see old, old pictures from 1900, you can see the nose. Um, The skull was much more prominent. And at the bottom, you see the asphalt. Well, that used to be part of a road, the road leading to Damascus. You come out the Damascus Gate, and it was the junction of the Jaffa Road and the Damascus Road, a very important location. Um, this is so he was not here's, here's my thing that I want to say to you Jesus was not crucified on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross I love that song I love that song but we get this picture in our minds of some peaceful hill far away no this place was at the crossroads as people came into Jerusalem and went out of Jerusalem and this fits the Roman way of crucifixion They wanted as many people as possible to pass by and witness what happened to people who presented a threat to Rome. So when I used to, when I've been here so many times before, and I've looked there, I pointed out the asphalt. The asphalt is part of a very, very busy Palestinian bus station. And also taxi cabs, honking, 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 buses coming and going, spewing out exhaust. And I used to get so angry and frustrated, like, this is terrible that the Palestinians have come in and and put this bus station here on purpose in this holy spot. And if you'll notice on top, you see graves. The Palestinians have also made a Muslim cemetery up there because their hope actually is to make the thing collapse (laughs) so that it won't show its shape anymore. They have But it used to make me so angry. How can you come into this holy spot where my Lord Jesus died and have your honking buses, your honking taxis, and your gas-spewing buses and the clamor? 
And then a few times ago when I was in Israel, I was sitting there looking at it, and I was just convicted like, Betty, don't you get it? This is exactly how Jesus died. Now, it wasn't buses and taxis. It was camels and donkeys, and they were making their noises, and it was vendors shouting to each other and caravans coming through. But it was the same um, environment in which our Lord died. He died in the midst of his enemies, right at ground level. It doesn't say he died on top of the skull. He died at the place of the skull. So he was down at ground level in the midst of coming and going in the midst of his enemies. So I'm not upset with that Palestinian bus station anymore. It has created for us really how Jesus died, not peacefully, but where they could spit at him, where they could call him names, where they could all see him as he hung in his shame on the cross. Amen? So let's read a couple of scriptures that sort of um, sort of give this the scriptural background and the picture of this. Matthew 27, starting with verse 33. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they gave him wine to drink. How could they have even done that if he was way up on a hill, right? They could reach him, mingled with gall. And after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And they put up above his head the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. They wanted people coming by to see that, to be close enough up to it to read it, and say, Ah, anybody who says he's king is going against Rome, and make a statement. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we shall believe in him. If Jesus was up on some hill far away, he couldn't hear all these insults, right? He trusts in God. Let him deliver him now. If he takes pleasure in him, for he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers also who had been crucified with him were casting the same insult at him. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land. Can you just kind of picture that in this place where I am right now? And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there when they heard it began saying, The man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran, and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Even in his suffering, in his misery, they just couldn't stop mocking him. You know, if you've ever felt rejection, if you've ever felt that people hit you when you're down, let me tell you, Jesus has been there and more and more and more. And he, he can comfort you. He, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He's been through a million times more than the emotional pain 
you have felt. That's the Lord we have. Someone who has taken upon himself every sin and infirmity, every hurt, every every rejection, <clears throat> so he can identify with us in it. And he can heal us from it. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. (laughs) Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women were there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to them, among whom was Mary Magdalene, along with Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. This account is told in all four Gospels of the excruciating death of Jesus and details surrounding it. I really urge you, if you can go with it to Israel, with me or with anyone else, make sure you visit the garden tomb. Amen. So to wrap up, let's go back. Let's go back to the tomb. We just have to take a few steps away because um, Golgotha and the tomb are just right next to each other. So, Kyung, if you could put me back to the tomb. <coughs> Matthew 28 going on where we are here, but into Matthew 28, 5. Um, I think I'll start with one. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. (laughs) They were slain in the spirit. Boom. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mark 16, let's do one more scripture and then we're going to wrap up here. Mark 16, 1 through 11. I mean, the Bible tells it much better than I could, so I'd rather just read the scripture than just talk about it, you know? When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices that they they might come and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Remember I told you there's a trough there for a huge stone that weighed about a ton. And it would take many strong men to roll it away so they could get in and anoint the body of Jesus. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. When I go in, you can go inside this tomb. The, the British people who own it have made it so that you can go inside, you can touch it. Imagine going in and finding an angel there. <laughs> it's just, it's just the coolest experience. Um, and he said to them, "Do not be amazed 
You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He emphasized Peter because he knew what Peter had just gone through with denying the Lord and how he felt about himself. So he wants Peter to especially hear what has happened. He is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he said to you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to who? Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. There's a whole sermon in itself there of the grace and love and mercy and total forgiveness of our Lord, that a woman that came from her past was the first one that encountered him. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. (laughs) But we believe it, don't we? And eventually they came to believe it. They'd just been through so much shock, so much trauma, so much heartache, they couldn't quite take it in. It was too much. And I'm sure that would be us too if we were part of his inner circle at that time. But they did come to believe it, and, um, and we believe it today. So where I am today at the garden tomb outside the, gate, the Damascus gate of Jerusalem, this is the gospel. God himself came to earth, showed us who he is, then took all of our sins, all of our griefs, all of our infirmities, the curse for the whole universe, and died that, that we might be redeemed, that the earth might be redeemed, that God's family might be brought back to him. And then he rose again to redeem all creation and us into eternal life. And it happened here. Thank you, Lord, for allowing this place to be preserved. Thank you for General Gordon, who saw this place and directed by the Holy Spirit, decided it was a special place, knew by the Holy Spirit it was a special place, so that we could come and fellowship with you. You're not here. You are risen. But your spirit bears witness to us when we're here that all of this is true. And we give you thanks for the gift of eternal life that was bought for us here. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next time in the footsteps of Jesus.